This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com. Welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Logan. Hi, Lindsay. And welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. Yeah, I'm yeah. back, Oh, guys. Lindsay, welcome back. We're so glad sorry. you could join us this time around. <laughs> and I'm sorry that my voice is a little um, rough. Oh, little you sound fine. Sticky, yeah, it's well, been I know you've been. It's been it's been terrible. Uh, what a what an <laughs> awful way to spend the summer. Yeah, I got sick on vacation and then uh, kept being sick. I oh. went to the doctor. Got some antibiotics, so we'll see how it goes from here. But my voice is better than it was. Well, you, you a sound week ago. a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so wow. we're we're getting there. We're getting there. Well, keep up the you good know? fight. You're, we're all <laughs> we're all cheering for you. I mean, it is what it is. What can you do? Like you yeah. can't prevent it. So whatever. But I'm back, and I'm glad to be here. And I'm really oh, glad that we have some stories tonight. Yeah, we've got some cool stories. We've got a yeah, good drink picked out. Yeah. Thanks again to my buddy Madman for coming over and, and joining me. Um, I'm not yeah. as cool as Lindsay. I couldn't do a solo show all by my lonesome. Oh, please, uh, no. <laughs> so, uh, we've been talking yeah. about having him on the show for a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in truth, of all of my, my friends, uh, well, I guess my, my friends before the podcast, um, <laughs> If you had to ask me which of my friends is most qualified to go ghost hunting, UFO hunting, Sasquatch hunting, or otherwise cryptid hunting, Madman would be the top of that list. Yeah, I 100% uh, so, believe it. Yeah, uh, he's he's a great guy. Thanks again for coming out, Madman. Yeah, thank you. And, Thanks for uh, covering. I'm, I'm going to try my very best to get him back here. I know he's got a lot, of, lot more stories he didn't get a chance to share. And I'm really glad that we got a chance to introduce him to the folks out there in podcast land. But let's let's crack that egg open and see what's inside. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited. <laughs> I mean, I was really, really interested to hear what he had talked about um, with, you know, his his life and death experiences. And you don't get that oh, yeah. many people that have died it's five times. It's a really times. unique perspective. And That's it's made him crazy. a really, <laughs> a really uh, great friend to have over the years. Yeah. So I'm excited to hear more about him. I know that there are many stories that you have already heard that you want our listeners to hear, but I would be <laughs> yeah. one of those listeners because I don't know them. So I, well, I'm uh, pretty pumped. Like I said, I'll I think try to I, be there next I'm going to, I'm going to try to get him back here, but Hey, you know, I think we've got some other good stories for tonight. We do. And we have a cocktail. Yeah. Too. So let's so talk that? about it. <laughs> <laughs> so our cocktail for tonight, I mean, obviously we are doing Indian folktales. If you guys hadn't figured that out from the title, I like to think they don't read the titles first. They just blindly hey, they listen. They could be binging, and that is easily a thing that could happen. So, yeah. In which case, welcome to the episode about Indian folktales. Yay! <laughs> um, all right. So this cocktail is called the Bengal Tiger. I just think that's such a cool ass name. You know? Oh yeah. But it's light. It's punchy. It was made by a young bartender at the Novotel Hotel in Kolkata, India. Her name is Ritika Rai, and she seems super cool. It's a great drink. It's got a really strong orange color that kind of reminds me, of, really, honestly, of of a tiger. Uh, that really special orange that's not pumpkin-y orange. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dark, uh, almost rusty, uh, approaching orange. Mm -hmm. uh, and it gets yeah. that because it has pineapple juice and pomegranate juice in it. Yeah, something to kind of take it to the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. So what we've got, we've got, like I said, uh, 60 mils of 
pineapple juice. And this recipe was in milliliters, so I don't know what this is in ounces. You might have to do some math. I'm sorry. I don't know. Droplets. We just shake kind it till of, it looks good. Give it a I'm sniff good with down the hatch. Because I used to be a pharmacy technician, so I was like, oh, okay, cool. This much. I just eyeball it, you know. Anyway, so 60 mils of pineapple juice, 20 mils of pomegranate juice, 50 mils of white rum. So you know it's good. Mm. And then 10 milliliters of brandy so i mean it's like half alcoholic basically yeah like and that fourth, brandy but. really gives it kind of a a, a darker tone it's not mm-hmm. just a, a playful spring break it has drink. a little it's, bit of a it means a bit of it. business it's a yeah. <laughs> uh, but then uh you add sweet and sour mix to kind of to taste and then you're supposed to garnish it with a gontourage lebu, which is a lime. It's a particular lime from India. I've heard nothing but good things about this lime. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, we're in Utah, so this lime is very hard to procure. If anyone has one of these limes, please send it to us. That would we be would so have, great. We would that would be the that. coolest thing. But um, yeah, for now, but, we've got regular limes. Yeah, we just and have they're normal fine. lime. So, they're, they're delightful. Yeah. We love limes anyway, so it's all good. Um, But so how to make it. So in a shaker filled with ice, you pour the juices, the white rum and the brandy, along with some sweet and sour mix. You might want to like kind of taste it a little bit as it's mixed up to just see if that's the amount you want. Um, But you do that and you shake it. You pour the mixture into a tall glass filled with ice. You garnish with a wedge of Gondaraj Labu or uh, lime as we are doing. Yeah, so and to do that you're got. gonna to do that you're gonna wanna twist a peel over the drink and rub the peel on the rim of the glass for freshest and aroma. Kinda like we talked about, I think, with our old fashioned. Ooh, cool. So you just kinda get the oil from the lime and it just yeah. adds a little something extra. You know? I I love when they uh when they incorporate the rind into the flavors on it. I could be wrong, but I'm also not going to do any research right now. But I read somewhere, or maybe someone just told me while I was very, very drunk enough to l- listen and believe that the <laughs> the rind has the opposite pH of the acid inside the citrus. Maybe. Huh. Sciencey people, let us know. Maybe. Hmm. We have a science show on our network. We should thought, ask them. thought kicking around inside my brain. I we could should. Google it more, but we're talking folklore tonight. Yeah. We do have a science show in our network, so we, sh- we should ask him and see oh, what yeah. he thinks. Oh, yeah. I do he... love me some citrus, and I love the science. <laughs> he works in NASA, so hopefully he knows something about pH of citrus roots. I don't know. I bet you he's a lot more qualified than I am. And my, you know, general <laughs> conjecture of, well, he does I work think I NASA. heard once. Yeah. <laughs> But I like yours way too. <laughs> yeah, it's roundabout knowledge. It's uh, yeah, it's street smarts. Like we talk with Mad Men. <laughs> street smarts rather than rocket science. Got yes, it. it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so something that's new that we wanted to talk about going forward. Each time that we do a folk tales episode, there is going to be an additional story that's added to our Patreon. Yeah. So <laughs> finally, a consistent perk that's being added to our Patreon. Yeah, we, um, <laughs> I mean, believe me, we, we feel a little bad that there's not just a ton of stuff on Patreon right now. Yeah, there should right be, now. but we are just... Um, it's such a cool thing, easy. but we're we're doing our Blech. best to get this moving. But uh, yeah. that's that's something we've made a real goal of, is to put more mm-hmm. stuff on Patreon. Sure. So stay, stay tuned. I know yeah. I always say this, cool stuff other, is coming. <laughs> we have other stuff in the works as well, but this is definitely, yeah. this is for sure something that will be a consistent thing that's happening 
as we go, hopefully you'll get like one or two a month since that we have about that amount of folktale episodes. I don't think that there will be one for our modern folklore episodes. Just because those are submitted to us and we're a little yeah. limited in mm-hmm. how many we get. Exactly. Um, so this one, you know, folktales, we can pick as many as we want. Or as few as we want. And that's really cool. I really like that we get the chance to share even more stories. And if if listening to the stories is your favorite part of this podcast, there's a way to get even more of them. Exactly. Um, just so you guys know that the, the story that we put on Patreon won't have commentary attached, kind of like we do with our normal episodes. But, but it you will, will have explicit lyrics and tons of sex. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> no, but you will I, I still get... <laughs> on second thought, we really should make sure that's always mm. the one on Patreon. Maybe we'll work on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like like I said, you'll still get a classic Logan narration. So <laughs> definitely still worth it. And the story is available for all of the tiers on our Patreon. So it's definitely worth checking out. Um, We have four different tiers. So even if you only have a couple bucks a month that you can spare, you can still get an extra story or two a month, plus whatever else, whatever random crap that comes out of our minds that appears on our Patreon feed. Yeah, we've got some (laughs) weird stuff coming. We're kind of a weird show, in case you hadn't picked that up. I've seen (laughs) previews and I'm very excited. I'll tell you guys. I made I made a preview and and the problem is, is by showing Lindsay a preview I've now committed to having to follow through with it. Um, <laughs> we never set a date. <laughs> there's going to be some cool stuff coming. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I'm excited. And if there's stuff that you want to specifically see from us on our Patreon feed, let us know too. You know, ideas are helpful. We're only two people. So it's only yeah. what our minds can come up with, which is still a lot. And if somebody gives us a good idea as far as like what they want to see out of us, uh, we'll probably think it through. For sure. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, if it's doable, we will do it, most likely. Most likely. I don't know. Be- I, the internet's full of weirdos promises. who <laughs> suggest weird things. But I like to picture our audience, uh, you know, as the very best of the weirdos. Yes. So maybe they won't suggest too Sane weird and rational weirdos. Yes. The like best it. kind. <laughs> um, all right. So I think we should uh, maybe do our stories. Okay. I suppose. Our first two tales are from... A book that's called Folk Tales of Bengal by Lal Bahari Day. And it was written earlier than 1912, but that's when this specific book is from. Uh, it was like 1880 something, I think. Which means it's public domain, and yeah, here we go. That's how I find it. I find most of these on Gutenberg, Project Gutenberg. And, so. and Lindsay, uh, thank you so much for going out and, and finding these stories. There's I, really I know, cool stuff to be found, man. Yeah. I. Love I, it. I I only have so much time to go do my own research, but when I, I go looking for stuff and then Lindsay comes back with twice as many things and it's like, <laughs> wow, where'd you find this? I have so this cool. weird ability to research. Like it's, I think it's from my anthro degree Yeah, that I just know where to find stuff. It's very weird. Yeah. You know? I, your Google foo is strong. It is very it's, strong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but this book is also, also illustrated by Warwick Goble. And that's similar to a couple of our other folktale books. Um, he is an artist from the early 1900s. He is phenomenal. There like, were some awesome illustrations pictures. in this. Um, yeah. His it's art the kind is of story like that my thing. <laughs> you read one out of it, you want to flip through the others, and, and, and just the, see the, the pictures. pictures will draw oh, you yeah. in. Oh, yeah. for sure. And we do have the link to the book on our show notes, so you can easily see that. And we'll post some pictures just in our show notes. 
But I recommend even just Googling his name, Warwick Goebel, for some just beautiful art. Like he, he's very, very much my art aesthetic. Like I love Art Nouveau. I love Art Deco. And that's all like, that's right in this realm. So I love it. I highly recommend it. Um, So our first tale and our second tale are from this book. Our first tale is called, man, I cannot talk. Our first tale is called The Origin of Rubies. All right. Origin of Rubies. Let's check it out. The Origin of Rubies. There was a certain king who died, leaving four sons behind him with his queen. The queen was passionately fond of the youngest of the princes. She gave him the best robes, the best horses, the best food, and the best furniture. The three other princes became exceedingly jealous of their youngest brother, and conspiring against him and their mother, made them live in a separate house, and took possession of the estate. Owing to overindulgence, the youngest prince had become very willful. He never listened to anyone, not even his mother, but had his own way in everything. One day, he went with his mother to bathe in the river. A large boat was riding there at anchor. None of the boatmen were on it. The prince went down into the boat, and told his mother to come on to it. His mother besought him to get down from the boat, as it did not belong to him, but the prince said, No, mother, I am not coming down. I mean to go on a voyage, and if you wish to come with me, then delay not, but come up at once, or I shall be off in a trice. The queen besought the prince to do no such thing, but to come down instantly. But the prince gave no heed to what she said, and began to take up the anchor. The queen went up into the boat in great haste, and the moment she was on board, the boat started, and falling into the current and passing on swiftly like an arrow, The boat went on and on until it reached the sea. After it had gone many furlongs into the open sea, the boat came near a whirlpool, where the prince saw a great many rubies of monstrous size floating on the waters. Such large rubies no one had ever seen, each being in value equal to the wealth of seven kings. The prince caught hold of half a dozen of these rubies and put them on board. His mother said, Darling, don't take up those red balls. They must belong to somebody who has been shipwrecked, and we may be taken up as thieves. At the repeated entreaties of his mother, the prince threw them into the sea, keeping only one tied up in his clothes. The boat then drifted towards the coast, and the queen and the prince arrived at a certain point where they landed. The port where they landed was not a small place. It was a large city, the capital of a great king. Not far from the place, the queen and her son hired a hut where they lived. As the prince was yet a boy, he was fond of playing at marbles. When the children of the king came out to play on a lawn before the palace, our young prince joined them. He had no marbles, but he played with the ruby which he had in his possession. The ruby was so hard that it broke every taw against it was struck. The daughter of the king, who used to watch the games from the balcony of the palace, was astonished to see a brilliant red ball in the hand of the strange lad, and wanted to take possession of it. She told her father that a boy of the street had an uncommonly bright stone in his possession, which she must have, or else she would starve herself to death. The king ordered his servants to bring him the lad with the precious stone. When the boy was brought, the king wondered at the largeness and brilliancy of the ruby. He had never seen anything like it. He doubted whether any king or any country of the world possessed so great a treasure. He asked the lad where he had got it. The lad replied that he got it from the sea. The king offered a thousand rupees for the ruby, and the lad, not knowing its value, readily parted with it for that sum. 
he went with the money to his mother, who was not a little frightened, thinking that her son had stolen the money from some rich man's house. She became quiet, however, on being assured that the money was given to him by the king in exchange for the red ball which he had picked up in the sea. The king's daughter, on getting the ruby, put it in her hair, and, standing before her pet parrot, she said to the bird, Oh, my darling parrot, don't I look very beautiful with this ruby in my hair? The parrot replied, Beautiful! You look quite hideous with it! What princess ever puts only one ruby in her hair? It would be somewhat feasible if you had two at least. Stung with shame at the reproach cast in her teeth by the parrot, the princess went into the grief chamber of the palace and would neither eat nor drink. The king was not a little concerned when he heard that his daughter had gone into the grief chamber. He went to her and asked her the cause of her grief. The princess told her king what her pet parrot had said and added, Father, if you do not procure for me another ruby like this, I'll put an end to my life by mine own hands. The king was overwhelmed with grief. Where was he to get another ruby like it? He doubted whether another like it could be found in the whole world. He ordered the lad who had sold the ruby to be brought into his presence. Have you, young man? asked the king. Another ruby like the one you sold me? The lad replied, No, I have not got one. Why do you want another? I can give you lots if you wish to have them. They are to be found in a whirlpool in the sea, far, far away. I can go and fetch some for you. Amazed at the lad's reply, the king offered rich rewards for procuring only another ruby of the same sort. The lad went home and said to his mother that he must go to sea again and fetch some rubies for the king. The woman was quite frightened at the idea and begged him not to go. But the lad was resolved on going, and nothing could prevent him from carrying out his purpose. He accordingly went alone on board that same vessel which had brought him and his mother, and set sail. He reached the whirlpool, from near which he had formerly picked up the rubies. This time, however, he determined to go to the exact spot whence the rubies were coming out. He went to the center of the whirlpool, where he saw a gap reaching to the bottom of the ocean. He dived into it, leaving his boat to wheel around the whirlpool. When he reached the bottom of the ocean, he saw there a beautiful palace. He went inside. In the central room of the palace, there was the god Siva, with his eyes closed, and absorbed apparently in intense meditation. A few feet above Siva's head was a platform, on which lay a young lady of exquisite beauty. The prince went to the platform and saw that the head of the lady was separated from her body. Horrified at the sight, he did not know what to make of it. He saw a stream of blood trickling from the severed head, falling upon the matted head of Siva, and running into the ocean in the form of rubies. After a little, two small rods, one of silver and one of gold, which were lying near the head of the lady, attracted his eyes. As he took up the rods in his hands, the golden rod accidentally fell upon the head, on which the head immediately joined itself to the body, and the lady got up. Astonished at the sight of a human being, the lady asked the prince who he was and how he had got there. After hearing the story of the prince's adventures, the lady said, Unhappy young man, depart instantly from this place, for when Siva finishes his meditations, he will turn you to ashes by a single glance of his eyes. The young man, however, would not go except in her company as he was over head and ears in love with this beautiful lady. At last, they both contrived to run away from the palace, and coming up to the surface of the ocean, they climbed into the boat in the center of the whirlpool, and sailed away towards land, having previously laden the vessel with a cargo of rubies. 
the wonder of the prince's mother at seeing the beautiful damsel may be well imagined. Early next morning, the prince sent a basin full of big rubies through his servant. The king was astonished beyond measure. His daughter, on getting the rubies, resolved on marrying the wonderful lad who had made the present of them to her. Though the prince had a wife, whom he had brought up from the depths of the ocean, he consented to have a second wife. They were accordingly married and lived happily for years, begetting sons and daughters. Alrighty. So. Okay. Can you imagine just kind of like finding a whole bunch of floating rubies? Oh, yeah. Just like they're like, oh, well, that's where they come from. Better jump in the whirlpool. (laughs) Right. Um, I do think that it's interesting that this kid is like young and willful. He's like described that way at the beginning, right? That he's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that he can't handle stuff, basically. mm -hmm. But he can handle a large boat just with his mom, who's probably not doing anything because I don't know. That was a very conveniently easy to pilot boat uh, for such an inept character. Especially around whirlpools. I don't know. Yeah. But then he (laughs) plays marbles with a priceless ruby. So he's obviously like, he's he's just kind of a weird hero in this tale. He's super young and naive. He goes on a journey, doesn't really go through much of a change. Things still work out for him, though, so yeah, that's, like, that's cool. Yeah, that's my main thing. Like he, yeah. he was naive and young at the beginning, in the middle, and then by the end of the tale, when honestly, like not a lot of time has actually passed. Yeah, like I wouldn't say he's learned a lesson. Or no, he doesn't a whole go lot. through much. Like no. I, I feel like this would be a better tale if that aspect were fleshed out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but like at the end, he's old enough to fall in love and have two wives and have a king on his good side and all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, and really the the whole polygamy thing. I, again, <laughs> need we mention we're from Utah? Oh, we know um, all about this. Yeah, yeah, the whole multiple <laughs> well, we wives. We know about thing. this in a different way. Yeah, but this was something that uh, it happened in in ancient India, and it was uh, I I'm not a, an authority on it in any way, but it's hard to miss the status of women in a lot of these stories. Yeah, that's very true. It, it is a little hard to uh, justify some of the, the treatment or, or some of the, the ways that they're described. But in this one, yeah, dude picks up another wife. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, collect and the it, whole set. It was, it was kind of more of that exact kind of thing. Like he was even more blessed because he got two wives kind of thing. Although yeah. um, I don't really know how blessed he was by getting attached to that princess. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> One of my favorite parts of this tale was how offended the princess got when her parrot tells her that, like, one ruby is such a huge faux pas. (laughs) The opinion of a bird means so much. I'm going to kill myself because the bird told me that I needed more jewels. Yeah. She's so dramatic and petulant. I love the way that's her leverage. Well, I could just go kill myself. And then her dad's like, no, no, okay. Like, (laughs) he's... Kind of a huge pushover, and I kind of wonder about the state of his kingdom. I feel like she threatens to commit suicide a lot. A lot, it, like all yeah. the time. She was mm-hmm. very, um, <laughs> very Veruca Salt to me. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Like, I want it, and I want it now. Mm-hmm. Super, it's super overkill that she's like, gonna starve or kill herself. But you know, then she's a good match for the the petulant, I'm gonna go on a voyage right now, you yeah, can come or not. that's true, that's true. Character. I guess that's yeah. a good point, yeah. But I mean, she's definitely super shallow. And that's yeah, And sad. I get the feeling that they're both 
pretty rich, so that's worth writing a story about him. So, although this kid obviously doesn't know what to do with his money because he's selling them for way less than they're worth. Yeah, and is like, here's an entire trunk full of priceless rubies, King. Mm-hmm. Like, now I, don't know. I, I he's uh, like also kind of a dumb kid. <laughs> yeah, a little bit dumb. Definitely reckless, and uh, he. I just happen to when, work when, out when he him. comes into the when he comes into the the grotto cavern the image painted of of so in this story it was Siva but that's just another name for Shiva yeah there with the the dripping blood and the severed head and everything that's that's a, such a cool image and I don't know that that's really what sticks with me for through this whole story much more than the characters much more than oh yeah the, oh yeah this imagery yeah. was amazing and like uh-huh. the fact that her lifeblood was the source of the rubies is so yeah. super interesting and that's she was totally a, cool a mermaid. Thing. Well, for sure. Let's not forget about this. She's living at the bottom of the ocean in a palace, so like she has to be, right? It qualifies completely. <laughs> yeah. And the magic that kind of was involved with heal- her healing right up was super mm-hmm. cool. Reattaching a head—that's good. That's good magic, right there. That really is. I kind of wonder yeah. what she did to get decapitated in the first place. That's at least a level four spell <laughs> in D and D. I think Most, maybe maybe higher. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I never play healing classes. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's not my that's style. That's my realm, and we're not that high yet. Yeah, I am a being of destruction. <laughs> like <laughs> that's yeah. true. I mean, she probably pissed off Siva or Shiva. Um, in yeah. case you guys don't know, Shiva's. One of the principal Hindu gods, he's like the god of destruction. The cool um, one. No, they're he's all cool. pretty he's cool. He's not like evil or good. He's just kind of yeah. It's the idea. If I, I again, he'll destroy bad things too. Like, yeah, destroy cool. bad things, and also it's the idea of destruction so that rebirth can happen. Exactly. Um, Which it's is very, part of the natural very cycle much of in line with reincarnation cycles and stuff. So it's it's really cool. Yeah. Um, you should do more research on it if you are interested in that. Which I think I should do more research on it. <laughs> Me but too. at the same yeah, <laughs> at the same time, um, it's just fun to get a little a little taste of it. And yeah, it gives you a little yeah. context for the tale, which is why we say something. But I am also curious what would have happened if the boy had touched her with the silver rod rather than the gold one. Yeah, because they they what if it's he like, exploded they the world? The two, yeah, does one represent the sun and the moon, or so you know? There's a lot to Order what the silver chaos. and gold is. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's I'm really interested to know. And he took he took them with him, from what I can remember. Like I don't think it did not talk about him responsibly didn't. disposing of them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He, he did not take great effort to put them back where he found them. I know that much. That's very it's, true. <laughs> Yeah. Let's talk about for a second how this kid is able to jump into a whirlpool, just leave his boat to drift, which in reality, that boat would totally be toast, right? Oh, yeah. Um, reach the bottom of the ocean. Did we mention he stole a boat? Yeah. Well, no, that wasn't his boat. Seriously. He had never driven that And his boat. mom wasn't concerned about that. Okay. So, so for our listeners out there, maybe some of you have driven boats, but those of you who haven't, it's not Speaking easy. as someone who knows how to drive a boat, it's it's not something you can just do. Yeah. It's, there's a learning gotta, curve for sure. There's a learning curve. You're going to mess it up a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have to go backwards. It's really hard. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking like, <laughs> well, I, I've been in like motorized boats and those are even still yeah, hard too. That, yeah. But, but yeah, so you can't just go stealing boats. You can't. Yeah. We're I mean, trying maybe to have a society like, here. Maybe he was in like a dinghy or something that was like really not that big of a boat. But you still have to like row, and yeah. it's hard, it's sometimes easy to go the direction you don't want to go. 
he he doesn't seem like a an able-bodied sailor to me. <laughs> no, um, this this story glossed over some things that didn't make a whole lot of logical yeah. There was a lot sense. of hand waving in this and one, and that's fine. Uh, like it's a yeah. fairy tale, basically. So I appreciate it for length. He was like doing all this stuff, right? All this nonsensical things, jumping mm-hmm. in a whirlpool, leaving his boat, reaching the bottom of the ocean. He unintentionally magically heals somebody. Then he talks to her. And was he like holding his breath through all of that? You know, <laughs> I, I like to subscribe to the convenient. I'm not drowning if I don't need to be uh, kind of status. <laughs> it's actually a, it's it's a trope that you see in a lot of fantasy genres. Um, when when you're underwater and you need to just have an excuse to not be always drowning or always yeah, fighting for yeah. air. Uh, yeah, the the whatever device. Let's stick the, it in the same realm as you know animals that can actually talk. Yeah, there's the a, there's a bubble thing. there. It or serves as a use in a story. Yeah, he found a seashell amulet in the it's other part of the story amazing. that wasn't mentioned. It, suddenly, yeah. magic happened. It's, I mean, mm-hmm. it literally did. So, I guess it's not too far beyond the realm of belief if magic is already happening in the story. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, I did think it was interesting with him getting married to the princess at the end. Like how indicative of how shallow she is. She's like. Oh, okay. I'll just marry this guy that found me all these riches. Yeah. You know, she's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Kind of interesting. I don't know. I actually really liked this tale. I thought it was super fun. I mean, it had a mermaid, so I'm already 100% on board because I love mermaids. It was interesting. I liked the whole, like, weirdly gory aspect of her blood becoming all these rubies. And that's the whole point of the story, really, because it's yeah. the origin of them, you know? <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I liked it. What did you think? I really did like it. I thought that it was a very colorful story, even though it didn't have a whole lot of logic or traditional, I don't know, flow to it. I thought it was I thought it was fun and had mm-hmm. some neat kind of characters and moments. Um and it was different from you know, some of the some of the other stories you may hear. Yeah, that's very true. I, I was thinking the same thing, but it's it's kind of a, a break from what you normally expect. Yeah. You know? So I agree. Cool. Well, cool. All right. So same same book. Our second tale is called A Ghostly Wife. A Ghostly Wife. I love a good ghost story. Me too. A Ghostly Wife. Once upon a time, there lived a Brahmin who had married a wife who had lived in the same house with his mother. Near his house was a tank, on the embankment of which stood a tree, on the boughs of which lived a ghost of the kind called Sankchini. One night, the Brahmin's wife had occasion to go to the tank, and as she went, she brushed by a Sankchini who stood near, on which the she-ghost got very angry with the woman, seized her by the throat, climbed into her tree, and thrust her into the hole in the trunk. There the woman lay almost dead with fear. The ghost put on the clothes of the woman and went into the house of the Brahmin. Neither the Brahmin nor his mother had any inkling of the change. The Brahmin thought his wife had returned from the tank, and the mother thought that it was her daughter-in-law. Next morning, the mother-in-law discovered some change in her daughter-in-law. Her daughter-in-law, she knew, was constitutionally weak and languid, and took a long time to do the work of the house, but she had apparently become quite a different person. All of a sudden, she had become very active. She now did the work of the house in an incredibly short time. Suspecting nothing, the old woman said nothing to either her son or to her daughter-in-law. On the contrary, she inly rejoiced that her daughter-in-law had turned over a new leaf. But her surprise became every day greater and greater. The cooking of the household was done in much less time than before. When the mother-in-law wanted the daughter-in-law to bring anything from the next room, 
it was brought in much less time than was required in walking from one room to the other. The ghost, instead of going into the next room, would stretch a long arm, for ghosts can lengthen or shorten any limb of their bodies, from the door and get the thing. One day, the old woman observed the ghost doing this. She ordered her to bring a vassal from some distance, and the ghost unconsciously stretched her hand to several yards' distance and brought it in a trice. The old woman was struck with wonder at the sight. She said nothing to her, but spoke to her son. Both mother and son began to watch the ghost more narrowly. One day, the woman knew that there was no fire in the house, and she also knew that her daughter-in-law had not gone out of doors to get it yet. And yet, strange to say, the hearth in the kitchen was quite in a blaze. She went in, and to her infinite surprise, found that her daughter-in-law was not using any fuel for cooking, but had thrust into the oven her foot, which was blazing brightly. The old mother told her son what she had seen, and they both concluded that the young woman in the house was not his real wife, but a she-ghost. The son witnessed those very acts of the ghost which his mother had seen, and Oja was therefore sent for. The exorcist came, and wanted in the first instance to ascertain whether the mother was a real woman or a ghost. For this purpose, he lighted a piece of turmeric, and set it below the nose of the supposed woman. Now this was an infallible test as no ghost, whether male or female, can put up with the smell of burnt turmeric. The moment the lighted turmeric was taken near her, she screamed aloud and ran from the room. It was now plain that she was either a ghost or a woman possessed by a ghost. The woman was caught hold of by main force and asked who she was. At first she refused to make any disclosures, on which the Oja took up his slippers and began belaboring her with them. Then the ghost said, with a strong nasal accent, for all ghosts speak through the nose, that she was a sanctuary, that she lived on a tree in the side of the tank, that she had seized the young Brahmani and took her to the hollow of the tree because one night she had touched her, and that if any person went to the hole, the woman would be found. The woman was found from the tree, almost dead. The ghost was again shoe-beaten, after which process, on her declaring solemnly that she would not again do any harm to the Brahmin and his family, she was released from the spell of the Oja and sent away, and the wife of the Brahmin recovered slowly, after which the Brahmin and his wife lived many years happily together and begat many sons and daughters. All right, so um, first off, a few notes on phrases in the story that you may be unfamiliar with. Yeah. Um, first off, Brahmin. So a Brahmin is a member of the highest caste in Hinduism. Yeah, um, so- they're priests rather than warriors, traders, or laborers, which are the other mm-hmm. castes. That could be anybody that is in that caste, someone that's related to the priesthood somehow, basically. So a whole family could be within the Brahmin caste. So mm-hmm. that's how women can also be Brahmani too, just to clarify. Yeah. You're just born into a caste and regardless of how, you know, good or bad you as an individual yeah. are, you're you're a member of some level of society. Which is pretty yeah. shitty sometimes, but I guess it worked for yeah. them. I don't know. Usually it's not a good thing. And I know the caste it's- system is still in place from what I understand. To a degree. And there are there are defenses for it. I just don't like just granting status by way of birth. No, I mean that, we could yeah. we could argue that that is 
kind of similar in the U.S. itself, just because oh, there's of a lot of de facto caste system. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, but people can also get out of them, or people, you know, life circumstances happen. You know, mm-hmm. you're thrown a specific set of things in life, and sometimes you can stay within them, and sometimes you can move past them. But it's harder within a very, very structured caste system, like. Yeah, it's one more obstacle that really no one needs. Yeah. And so I didn't really intend yeah, to go into like a whole political diatribe. So. But but Brahmins. I would like to come up, I I would like to formally state uh, that as half this podcast, I am against caste systems. I am also uh, against caste systems. So, so we are 100% so folk on the rocks against 100% it. against as a nation unto itself, we are against caste systems <laughs> for whatever How, it's worth, which is probably Yeah, but we me. maintain peaceful relations with anyone who who thinks differently. Yeah. Okay. We like everyone from everywhere. Yeah. And we want them to all have the same opportunity that everyone else has. So Yeah. So what else from this one? The Sanctinis. So yeah. they are female ghosts of a white complexion. Um, they usually stand at the dead of night at the foot of trees and they look like sheets of white cloth. Which okay. I thought was so this was a pretty accurate one. Now are they like are they are they like D and D dryads that they are tied to a particular tree? No, I don't know. I went okay. with a footnote on the in the Fair book. Fair enough. I didn't even bother. <laughs> That's about to look as far up. as I went. But I mean they seem really cool and we learned that we learned about them in the story really. Yeah, they I think the the this story proves serves as a pretty good description and a pretty uh normal MO for how how they seem to act. Yeah. Stealing people and imprisoning them inside trees. Being dicks. Um, yeah, being oh, I, did you like the stretchy aspects? Oh, we're gonna of, talk about that in a sec. Oh, we're, we're, we're I just there. Got, okay. I just want to get my the last one out of the way, which is the okay o- o- Oja Aja. I think you figured oh, yeah, out that it's an exorcist, exorcist. because yeah. it talks about that in the story. But I did want to clarify: they are a person who drives ghosts away from possessed persons. Do so. you know anything about that uh, the, that ceremony? I um, don't. I mean, from what I, the story told me, it involves burnt turmeric, so that's a yeah. thing. That's a start. And, and a lot of uh, uh, <laughs> shoe beating. Yeah, I did think that was interesting. <laughs> oh, my God. That was my the favorite slip, thing the, the about this beating. story. Yes. Like, I love the image in my brain of this exorcist just wailing like, on this ghost with his slipper until she told him what was going on. And it almost felt like, like the sheet. Di- yeah, the description in there, you know, he began to beat her mercilessly with his shoes as one laundry. does. Yeah. <laughs> He's beating this white sheet of a ghost. Like, it's a ghost. He shouldn't even be able to hit her. I would like it also, you know, brought up that, yeah, so, so, so she's a ghost. Okay. But she's suddenly a great version of the person she's impersonating. Oh my God. She's yeah. way better at everything. She's not... Uh, I kind of hate I, that. Ghosts just don't get a fair shake. Well, apparently women just don't get a fair shake because I really hate that the mother-in-law and husband were kind of like, oh, this is super nice that she's finally doing things effectively and had like turned over a new leaf, as they said. Like the story says she was the wife, the real wife, was constitutionally weak and languid, which generally means that she's in poor health, right? She's probably got something that's undiagnosed. Yeah, somehow I doubt that's her fault. Yeah. Is undiagnosed and like what what today would probably be some sort of chronic illness. And as someone oh, yeah. who actually is chronically ill, this is like this kind of bugged me quite a bit. She's probably doing her freaking best, okay? You know? And 
gets sucked up into a tree by some yeah, monster. Yeah, and they're just like, can you imagine being her? Like shoved into a hole in a tree, just scared to death. I'm really curious. That sounds terrible. That's- <laughs> I'm curious how many days she was actually stuck in that tree. Because they couldn't mm. figure out that she wasn't herself. Yeah, because, and, and even then, they noticed the difference, but were like, ah, eh, she's better I now I like anyway. this. This is mine. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's we'll so shitty. It's so terrible yeah. of them. But it did have some really interesting, like, changeling elements, which uh-huh. is pretty cool. Um, I do want to say tangentially that I am building out a changeling bard for D&D. Oh, yeah. That's, for the I, College of I, Whispers. I've... Cool. Yeah, so she can look like anything. She's very... They never look like themselves. Their self is mm-hmm. just like this like super pale, like... It's kind of a blank. Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah. And they kind of have their like default what they normally look like, quote unquote. Um, but she's going to be a bard and she, I think, is going to be... I can't remember what I decided. I think she's going to play the liar or something. Cool. But she's just going to be like under the radar kind of person, but then like gets people to do stuff by <laughs> she's her an, spells. She's an influencer. Oh, totally. Yeah. And not, not in That's, the Instagram way, but in the normal way. <laughs> and yeah. Cool. That sounds fun. So she's going to be I've, cool. I'll probably use her for like a one shot or something. Maybe a campaign yeah. in the future. I went to a and d themed birthday party oh, for really? a friend of mine. That's such a fun theme. It was. It, yeah. And we did, uh, he actually he uh dms his own game i used to play with them except for i was asked to leave unfortunately uh now in my own defense well uh okay here's the deal they like to to play on sunday mornings at 10 a.m now that usually happens after saturday night (laughs) that's really early that's when i do my finest work and i (laughs) 10 a.m. is awfully early on a Sunday morning sometimes. It so to, to sit around a table and do a descriptive board game. We did have a session on a Sunday morning once and that was hard. It was hard. Sunday morning is tricky. Uh, our, our, our session was better, though, because it had breakfast and that made things a lot That's easier. That's very true. <laughs> so I was I was the sleepy player. So I was asked to to stay home. Rude. Um, yeah, but it's still it's still a group of friends that I really do like. And so we, we had a big D and D kind of an arena set up. So it was instructed by, by my buddy who was having a birthday party. He said, all right, if you want pick, you can roll any five uh, level five character of a single class Hmm. from any book. That's super fun. And so I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Any book. All right. What do I do? And, and I built up, Oh yeah, so it it was all supposed to be just a one shot, a one shot adventure that has no real story to it. We were told don't get attached to these characters, <laughs> don't be heartbroken if they die. So I was I was expecting, you know, a, ba- a band of adventurers roll in and have to go do a a thing while the town is burning and there's a time limit on it or something like that. Yeah. Instead, it was just a big magical arena, a controlled space that was was sending in different monsters and i i kind of think it was just my buddy's opportunity to explore different monsters in the monster manual that he doesn't get to throw out sure. in his stories yeah why not right who wouldn't but it do was that? kind of a fun party activity um as people died we would just cycle in a new fifth level character nice. and it, we did miss out on the role playing aspects of of D&D right, and but a lot of people uh, do it for the 
combat stuff. For the kind of action-y kind yeah. of stuff. If that's the story you want to tell, it's a, it's a good thing for it. Now, also, I, I have been doing my own rolling up of characters as part of this process. I, I was like, okay, I ended up going with like a level five fighter, like the most boring guy ever that was like, well, a lot I, of people he, he like lives fighters, to die. So I know not lot, hitting on and, that. But yeah, yeah. You know, if that's if that's your style, cool. Uh, it's you just, just there's a lot of more up, exciting things cool. to be. <laughs> and yeah, so he was a fighter that was all about two hand crossbows. And that's it. And so, yeah, he was OK. But the problem is, is that in rolling this character up, I came across three other character concepts that are just too cool to be wasted on a one shot adventure. Yeah. There, I, I may be also, you know, talking about different D&D characters sometime soon. Hmm. But yeah, this is not a D&D podcast. It's a folklore no, podcast. It's not. Maybe we should start a second campaign. Anyway. Oh, if we, <laughs> hmm, not a bad idea. <laughs> We're like, hmm. Do we have time? No. No. We <laughs> yeah. might. It's all about making time. Yeah, exactly. Right? Anyway. Well, yeah. Maybe we'll record those sessions and we'll put those on Patreon. <laughs> There we go. We'll no, stream them. No, you guys would hate Perfect. that. If you wouldn't hate yeah. that, let me know. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> but anyway, let's go back to a ghostly wife. Ghostly wife. Okay. There was really so, some awesome in- imagery with what the ghost wife could do. Like you talked about yeah, like stretching. I, the stretchiness. And like okay. sticking her foot in the fire and having it be the fire that's Yeah, in the burning heart. her own foot. Just like, oh, it's fine. Don't it was worry real about cool. it. <laughs> For me, maybe it's just the 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 time period in which I have been alive, but I pictured a visual not unlike Dalsim from the Street Fighter games, uh, okay. who is able to use the power of yoga to stretch his <laughs> body parts uh, to different parts and of the screen. And there I'm thinking like Elastigirl from The Incredibles. Yeah, same concept, uh, just a long stretch. Yeah. But then the way, the, the way she sets herself on fire, ooh, I, I'm wondering more that she has this this malleable skeleton that she can just move her mass around because it's not, it's not really alive. It's a ghost. Yeah, or does she even have a skeleton? You know, I have no I mean, idea. She's, yeah. Apparently she's just a sheet. So yeah, <laughs> it could be anything, but it feels like she's obviously the form of this wife, right? Like, so she doesn't look like what she normally looks like. She looks indiscernible from mm-hmm. the actual person she's impersonating because it's a changeling yeah. thing. Right. So, she, um, it would be that kind of her stretching her arm out, right? He, she'd be this form that she's already put on, but she's just uh, manipulating that form, I guess. Yeah. You know? So you'd be seeing the normal wife just like just sticking her arm out. stretching out. So it's Terra cool. It's, it's an interesting, <laughs> can you imagine like walking into the room and seeing like someone that you know with their foot that's just like the fire or like yep. it's like can you grab this thing for me in the other room? And she's like, sure. And just like stretches her arms super out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it'd be such a weird image. It'd be it'd I'm, kind of I'm not sure what my reaction would I know, be. I don't know I what think... mine would be either. I would, yeah. I would be like, okay, I'm seeing things. I am hallucinating. Great. I'd probably freak out and be like, cool trick. Where'd you learn Tell that? Tell me Teach everything. Me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's more like it. <laughs> We'd be like, I need mm. to know how I can do that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did love that we learned so much about this ghost, right? Like what she can do. And she was obviously the personality in the story, right? But I loved that the, the ex- extra little note in there that they speak through their nose. Um, and I really oh, liked your yeah. ghost voice <laughs> oh, yes. from it too, Hogan. 
honking my big old Swedish nose. (laughs) (laughs) But it was really fun. I think it definitely added to to the story a lot because, you know, they specifically called that out. So, hey, why not? Of course, right? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, interesting exploring the idea of (laughs) what do these ghosts sound like? Right. What is their natural call or, you know, do they snarl? Do they make any noise at all? Mm -hmm. It it kind of is a fun way to think about it. Yeah, they're really interesting Um, creatures. That's for sure. And then they mentioned very specifically that they have, they speak through their nose. Mm-hmm. So maybe yep. we'll have to do a Sink Chini episode at some time in the future. Sounds like a fun interesting. one. Interesting. Um, yeah. I did, just for like as a final note with the end, I did think it was funny that these stories all like all end with begetting sons and daughters as a mark of happiness. <laughs> I know. It, that's their happily ever after. Oh, yeah. Then they had some sons and daughters. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the I happiness, I, but like, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's a, that's, we all know that's not necessarily prepackaged happiness no. right there. That, that but it, That's often the elements like that go into happiness. But. Version of like, and they lived happily ever after, right? That's kind of what it felt like. Like yeah. they were prosperous and they, they succeeded in beginning offspring, you know? Mm-hmm. It just felt kind of like a closer was, yeah, to the story. Yeah. And not yeah. all the stories in this book end with that, but like several of them do. So it may have had something to do with like a handful of those stories coming from the same person for, that like the author of this book grew up hearing these tales. But when it came mm-hmm. time to collect for this book, he got the stories from a bunch of different people and then he translated them himself out of Bengali. So, so maybe he, that, he had his own spin on yeah. it and his own... Uh, translation like and, and also his own idioms that he brought into it yeah so. it, you know it's it maybe has a traditional ending uh in the original text and then he just kind of summarized it and and then yeah, and maybe and that term meant something else like yeah it, it maybe it meant more like a they lived happily ever after type of thing or maybe it meant literally that and yeah also a possibility it's very true and it's probably some sort of Id- idiomatic thing like an idiom that we aren't mm-hmm. aware of because we don't speak that language and he may have not been like involved in culturally that i don't know i don't know his life story so we'll just go with the fact that it's interesting yeah a little interesting um it might be uh, it might be as much as i doubt it but uh, the idea of like a a meme or a catchphrase just that those little turns of phrase that that people start yeah, processing as units. Yeah, an idiom. Um, yeah, that's what that is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> By definition. <laughs> yeah. But um, I just thought it was interesting to, to think about, you know, just because, like, who says that? Beginning sons and daughters, and that automatically makes you happy and prosperous, which we all yeah. know. Anybody who has children or has been around children knows that that is not all sunshine and rainbows. It has a oh, lot yeah. of that. But it definitely it's isn't been, all it. It's been mostly good for those that have that 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 have had them in my. You know, as we speak of people that don't, me. as people that don't have children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but <laughs> nor at least for me, want them. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm doing just fine without yeah. them. I like. Uh, we have a podcast. I like That's one, like our children. I like right one there. and a half children in my life. Yeah. And the rest of them I could be fine without, and that's my niece and my unborn niece. <laughs> I like those two, and that's about it. <laughs> that's me as a person that <laughs> just doesn't have kids. Right. So, yeah, whatever. Yeah, they're not right, not right for everybody, and you know, I'm glad we don't live in a Handmaid's Tale kind of future where as you don't do have a choice I. about that. As do I. 
because I would be relegated to not a handmaid. <laughs> and oh, that would yeah. real suck. <laughs> Bummer. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched that yet, by the way. I don't know if you have been. I have not. I've read the book. We read the book for book club. Yeah. We have a, fe- yeah, we have a feminist book club that we <laughs> used I to get go to. to. Uh, I get to claim that I read the book before the show was. You attended. did. Yeah, we definitely and, did. But and because that, of that, I've never watched the show. Exactly right. I'm sure it's awesome. Like I know I, what's coming, and I don't know that I can handle watching it. So I'm like, yeah. I don't know, because everybody's like, it's so good. <laughs> and I don't know if I can do it. But I'm also glad that so many people are being exposed to I this story. I am too. It's an old tale. It's a, from a, the 80s. An old story, but it's dark portents of, of things. Very real yeah. things that could ha- potentially happen yeah. in the worst way. Yeah. So anyway, another tangent there. Um, our third tale. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not so much a tangent. I do think one of the things about Handmaid's Tale that we can bring it back to this podcast mm-hmm. Um in in the book, they it was all done as a an after the fact recording. Right. It is a written history of, or, or I think it might have been an audio history of what this of what Gilead was and how things changed and how they never want to make that mistake again. And I kind of feel like that's a lot of the value of folklore and stories. Mm-hmm. Um, it is one way to remember history and one way to record even the things we don't want to do ever again. Right. They're, they're and who we don't warnings. want to be. They're ways to yeah. tell you to not do something. I mean, they're supposed mm-hmm. to be cautionary tales, really, is what they're supposed yeah. to be. Like, don't be this way. And that's. <laughs> don't do what Donnie don't does. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that, that is exactly what Handmaid's Tale is. It's telling us, hey, this could happen, so don't let it happen. You know, mm-hmm. especially since like the beginning of the story, she, like, I guess not of the story, but her life, she grew up in a world that was very similar to ours and it mm-hmm. suddenly shifted to Gilead, you know, and things changed around her. And yeah. I remember quickly, that part of the book. Like very quickly. Yeah. And that was, the, that's, I think the scariest part of that is that it shifted so fast, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, all we can do is just try to try to be on the on the front of things and try to uh, as, as corny as it is, try to be the change you want to see in the world. Um, Thanks, be. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no, but I, I do really like that. I think it's very. Yeah. Strange. It's either that or just kind of let things roll by around you mm-hmm. and think that it's too big. Yeah. I and, mean, well, if you don't think that one person can make a difference, you're wrong. And yeah. some, sometimes people are placed better to make differences. But, you know, it's it's all about how much you pour into trying to change something. Well, I think that's what we've that's more than anything. That's what we've learned from these stories, that ordinary people can do extraordinary. Absolutely. Things. Yeah. And that's something that maybe that's you. Uh, <laughs> maybe that maybe that's you, Lindsay. <laughs> and all of our listeners. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, we do have another story. We do. Uh, should we get rolling with yes. that one? Um, so this one is from the book. Indian Fairy Tales, and it's by Joseph Jacobs. Um, it's from 1892, and it was illustrated by John D. Batten. Um, the illustrations are really pretty still. They're not, like, mm-hmm. they didn't make me swoon as much as Warwick I didn't Gold, like them as much. But they were cool. And it is called The Tiger, the Brahmin, and the Jackal. I like this one a lot. Check it out. The Tiger, the Brahmin, and the Jackal. Once upon a time, a tiger was caught in a trap. He tried in vain to get out through the bars, and rolled and bit with rage and grief when he failed. By chance, a poor Brahmin came by. Let me out of this cage, oh pious one, cried the tiger. Nay, my friend, replied the Brahmin mildly. You would probably eat me if I did. 
Not at all, swore the tiger with many oaths. On the contrary, I should be forever grateful and serve you as a slave. Now when the tiger sobbed and sighed and wept and swore, the pious Brahmin's heart softened, and at last he consented to open the door of the cage. Out popped the tiger, and, seizing the poor man, cried, What a fool you are! What is to prevent my eating you now? For after being cooped up so long, I am just terribly hungry. In vain the Brahmin pleaded for his life. The most he could gain was a promise to abide by the decision of the first three things he chose to question as to the justice of the tiger's action. So, the Brahmin first asked a peepal tree what it thought of the matter. But the peepal tree replied coldly, What have you to complain about? Don't I give shade and shelter to everyone who passes by? And don't they in return tear down my branches to feed their cattle? Don't whimper. Be a man! Then the Brahmin, sad at heart, went further afield till he saw a buffalo turning a well wheel. But he fared no better from it, for it answered, mm, You are a fool to expect gratitude. Look at me. Whilst I gave milk, they fed me on cotton seed and oil cake. But now I am dry. They yoke me here and give me refuse as fodder. The Brahmin, still more sad, asked the road to give him its opinion. My dear sir, said the road, how foolish you are to expect anything else. Here am I, useful to everybody, yet all rich and poor, great and small, trample on me as they go past, giving me nothing but the ashes of their pipes and the husks of their grain. On this the Brahmin turned back sorrowfully, and on the way he met a jackal, who called out, Why, what's the matter, Mr. Brahman? You look as miserable as a fish out of water. The Brahman told him all that had occurred. How very confusing, said the jackal, when the recital was ended. Would you mind telling me over again, for everything has got so mixed up? The Brahmin told it all over again, but the jackal shook its head in a distracted sort of way, and still could not understand. It's very odd, said he sadly, but it all seems to go in at one ear and out at the other. I will go to the place where it all happened, and then perhaps I shall be able to give a judgment. So they returned to the cage by which the tiger was waiting for the Brahmin and sharpening his teeth and claws. You've been away a long time, growled the savage beast. But now let us begin our dinner. Our dinner, thought the wretched Brahmin, as his knees knocked together with fright. What a remarkably uh, delicate way of putting it. Give me five minutes, my lord, he pleaded. "'in order that I may explain matters to the jackal here, "'who is somewhat slow in his wits.' "'The tiger consented, and the Brahmin began the whole story over again, "'not missing a single detail, and spinning as long a yarn as possible. "'Oh, my poor brain!' cried the jackal, wringing his paws. "'Let me see. How did it all begin? "'You were in the cage, and the tiger came walking by.' "'Pooh!' interrupted the tiger. What a fool you are. I was in the cage. Of course, 
cried the jackal, pretending to tremble with fright. Yes, I was in the cage. No, I wasn't. Dear, dear, where are my wits? Let me see. The tiger was in the Brahmin. No, and the cage came walking by. No, 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 that's not it either. Well, don't mind me, but begin your dinner, for I shall never understand. Yes, you shall, returned the tiger, in a rage at the jackal's stupidity. I'll make you understand. Look here. I am the tiger. Yes, my lord. And that is the Brahmin. Yes, my lord. And that is the cage. Yes, my lord. And I was in the cage. Do you understand? Yes. No. Ah, please, my lord. Well, cried the tiger impatiently. Please, my lord, how did you get in? Why, in the usual way, of course. Oh, dear me, my head is beginning to whirl again. Please don't be angry, my lord. But what is the usual way? At this, the tiger lost patience, and jumping into the cage, he cried, This way! Now, do you understand how it was? Perfectly, grinned the jackal, as he dexterously shut the door. And, if you will permit me to say so, I think matters will remain as they were. Okay, so jackal is always the tricksy one. And yeah, like everything, I, all over the world, man. I, I struggled a little bit with with his his voice. Um, because I think you did a good job. Re- oh, well, thank you. Um, you made him less annoying yeah, with- than when I read it. <laughs> yeah, usually they are the tricksters. Yeah. They're the the ones that are out for themselves. Uh, to be a jackal is not traditionally a good right. thing. And in this, he so many of his his lines are those of, that of stupidity. He's a dunce. Yeah. He's not getting it. So what do you do? Do you make him like really dumb, yeah. or do you make him sly like you did? How do we How do we do it? And Tiger's the dumb and I one. love that. Uh, <laughs> and Brahmin's the uh, really I, I, dumb one. He is oh the dumb one. He's the the naive one. Uh, <laughs> I think that's my main issue with this story is how dumb the Brahmin is. Like, first off, don't let the tiger out, period. Right? Yeah. Second, when he gives you a chance to go, you know, ask questions, convince, like, just yeah, go, go plead going. your case to other things. Don't go back. <laughs> go. Don't go. That, that tiger will want to do one of two things. One, starve to death. Two, eat something yeah. else. Uh, Either way, we've already don't gotten go back far there. enough away. Like this is so stupid. It was a very gracious yeah. and very dumb tiger too. Yeah, yeah, he was not the not the. I swiftest feel like they one. were a platform to show how clever the jackal was, though. Yeah. So his whole thing with with having he was supposed to abide by the decision of the first three things he questioned, right? And all of them, uh-huh. the tree, the buffalo, and the road, were all like, "You're dumb." Yes, you deserve to be eaten by the tiger. And I honestly yeah. agree. Like, this tiger won his meal fair and square. Yeah. Hardcore. Even let him go afterward. And <laughs> and I, I'm like, like I said, I really liked your jackal voice and especially your road voice. I thought he was really fun. I was, I, I did ponder, what does, what a, road does a road sound, sound like? like? You never would have thought about uh, this without this tale. <laughs> yeah. What is the voice of a road? A well-worn gravel road. And so this that was a fun exercise as as someone who does characters. Yeah, absolutely, they were really fun. But uh, this was a really fun story. I like that it was. I like that it was a little funny. I don't know that always that it's always nice. sticks with me. Yeah. But yeah, I like that. Uh, just 
everything about it. It was a fun, fun little almost fable. It had kind of, it did have something of a lesson to it. Don't trust anybody. Trust no one ever. <laughs> well, and I mean, yeah. <laughs> that you can wheedle your way out of things with your words, I think is strong too. I suppose that is, that is part of it as well. The Brahmin, he was just really super lucky that the jackal was around at the right time and decided yeah, to get involved. Just decided to be like, I'll help you yeah, out. and trick the um, tiger. Like, he just got real lucky. Yeah. Very curious why he actually decided to help the Brahmin out in the first place. There was some, yeah, something was exchanged. Yeah, like, what's in the, it for him? The jackal didn't do it for free. And then maybe it was just, like, revenge against a tiger or something. Ooh, yeah, maybe the tiger crossed the jackal earlier in the world's existence. Yeah, that's all I can think of. I don't know. I, I did like that uh, the jackal was depicted not specifically as a villain. Um, often when they're featured in stories, they're he not really the done hero. so in a flattering yeah, light. Yeah, he was really the hero yeah. here. He's the lovable sidekick in this one. And the one Brahmin that... was the damsel in distress. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, it was it was a cute story. It was fun. It was light. It was, um, mm-hmm. like like you said, very, very fabled. I love me some talking animals. Yeah, I know you do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, just FYI, the the tale that we have on Patreon is also from the same book, and it's called "The Cruel Crane Outwitted." So, and it's a good one. Sign up for Patreon and be able to get access to it because it's great. We both really liked that tale as well. So, Mm. um, anyway, uh. As for our promo for this week, it is for the show called The Haunted Ride, and it is a show that's hosted by Melissa, and it involves paranormal stories from people. So whether it's like an interview with somebody or a discussion about paranormal subjects, um, the show is fantastic and it's super interesting. So if you are interested in the paranormal, which you very, very well could be if you listen to us, and you want to hear more about people's actual experiences with it. Uh, definitely check this show out. Here's the promo. Sounds cool. Hi, I'm Melissa Cummins from The Haunted Ride, a paranormal podcast dedicated to you and your experiences. I know what it's like to have something happen to you that's unexplainable, and how it feels to want to tell someone but you're concerned they may think you're crazy. Whether it's a disembodied voice, an apparition, or something you just can't explain, this is your place to share it. So come tune in with me every week while we discuss anything and everything that falls into our paranormal and supernatural world. Because ghosts are out there, and if you're not careful, they will get you. All right, so that is it for us this week. Yeah, but that that, that promo does sound kind of cool. One one note as as co-host of a spooky podcast, <laughs> I am house-sitting for some dear friends of mine oh, yeah? uh, this week. And I'm like... Maybe thirty percent sure their haunt their house oh, is haunted. Definitely haunted. Um, oh, definitely haunted. <laughs> um, things are going missing a lot. Yeah, now they do have dogs that steal off counters, so I can't really be like okay. That, definitely that's ghosts. Thirty percent comes in, but seems more ghosty than doggy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> dogs are usually not super subtle, so yeah, yeah. I'm the things that have gone missing would have left giant messes. The messes aren't there. Interesting. Yeah. There was there was a whole big us. there there was a bowl of chili verde at some point that I think may have got left on a counter. That again, could have been a dog. Could have been a ghost. Yeah, but what would they do um, with it? I'm, like it gets on the floor and shatters and I think oh what a ghost what a ghost would do no, with a it? Dog. I think just well maybe poltergeist. 
<laughs> yeah, poltergeist. I feel like if 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 I ever meet any kind of ghost, it's gonna be a poltergeist. That's what it's gonna yeah, be. Yeah, I can imagine that. But neither it's, you or yeah. I have had many paranormal experiences anyway. Nope. No, I, I was talking to Madman when he, yeah, when he came to visit, uh, he and I got talking about how I may or may not be a magical null. Yeah, just interesting to think about, which is actually yep, super yeah. disappointing, but yeah, also yeah, I, satisfying at the same time, like that I you're safe know. from that. I I, I feel know. like I create my own danger anyway. That's a hundred percent true. <laughs> yeah, I have literally seen this happen. <laughs> anyway, so. Yeah. So if, if that becomes anything, we'll mention it back on yeah, the podcast. We'll Otherwise, this, forget I ever mentioned it. We'll have to hear it. this chronicle if it becomes one. Yeah. Might be something, might be nothing. Either way, my friends are coming back in town soon. I hope things reappear. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Either that or there's like trolls. Ooh. Trolls. I would believe trolls. Is there like a domo boy and you're pissing them off? Uh, maybe. Yeah, that's what it is. I feel that now that now they're Greek. So does there, is there a Greek sure domo boy? I'll have to look into yeah. it. I feel like I would be the person to ask, but I, nothing's coming to mind. <laughs> Are you a Greek, Greek expert? No, but I, I do co-host a podcast about oh, yeah, monsters from around fair. the world. <laughs> we haven't gotten to Greece yet. <laughs> no, we should go. Sounds cool. I'll have to look into it. I'll All let right. you know. <laughs> yeah. So keep, I'll, I'll, have, I'll have an update for the next Perfect. episode. Awesome. But for now, count on me just surviving. <laughs> I hope I'll be so. fine. <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. So you guys can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Folklore on the Rocks. You can find us on Twitter at Folklore <laughs> Every time. Um, <laughs> pictures, notes, sources on FolkloreOnTheRocks.com. Um, we have a merch shop if you would like to buy some super, super duper cool stuff with our logo on it. You should buy it. Tell your friends. Yeah. It's it, Honestly, there is some really cool stuff in there. Um, my aunt is amazing and she's actually purchased some really, she's purchased f- several things from our shop. The stuff in there makes great gifts. It's true. But uh, I saw her recently you, on vacation and, um, she brought all her, her swag with her. So I'm like, oh, dang it, Elise, oh, you're so cool. Cool. Um, and apparently the traveler insulated coffee mug is really great. Mm-hmm. She says that it Excellent. works out well. Her hint was to like fill it up with hot, hot water before you put like coffee in it. And so uh-huh. the inside is already hot, so your coffee stays hotter. Oh. So now that she's a smart lady, she really I can is tell. a very smart lady. So hints from Elise, just so you know. Yeah. Um, for our branded uh, co- yeah. coffee mug, and heat it up before the coffee. Get extra exactly. hot, coffee. extra long. <laughs> and yeah. just so you know, the shirts do run a little bit small, so order maybe a size larger than you normally would. So, yeah. um, anyway, so there's that. We have our Patreon, which we have talked about multiple times this episode, but we still very highly recommend it. Like we said, it's just yeah. going to keep getting better and better. You're already going to start having consistent content on there of really super awesome Logan narrated stories. So you can't go wrong with that, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, Liz. <laughs> I try to do my best on Oh, them. they're great. I love uh, them. Yeah. There's a reason Although you I do also it. like to picture... <laughs> Other people telling the stories to me while I read them. <laughs> yeah. How would I listen to them while I do well, that's so? That's a good exercise. I like it. And um, in the future, we will actually have a few guests that are from the countries that we're doing these folktales from to tell some yeah. tales. Hopefully, that's in the and works. We're so try to spread out a little bit and get some more fun yeah, things. And in they'll here, be like, this is a great show, and we love our yeah, listeners. And they'll be fellow fellow podcasters, so they're already 
comfortable with it or they'll be actors they'll know who, what they're doing yeah they know, they know what's up yeah so hopefully that will work <laughs> out and we'll get that like i said we have some really cool stuff in the works for you guys um that we yeah. can, we're hoping we can get together <laughs> so yeah. we make no promises so thanks, thanks for uh but uh sticking with us this far yeah, and uh we, stay tuned we send a lot of yeah. hints uh of what's could be and what is to come yeah, we've actually gone through a very elaborate scheme to seed hints throughout the entire internet about what our Patreon rewards are going to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, if anyone finds them, uh, follow the we path and uh, you'll be rewarded. That would be great. <laughs> but anyway, so we are still doing yeah. free stickers. If you write a review and you send it in to us with a screenshot, um, they're really super cool stickers. They're vinyl and they're pretty big. They have a logo on them. They're great. If you don't want stickers, but you still like us, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Facebook. Uh, wherever you can leave a review is great. Uh, and yes, please. very, very, very appreciated. Yeah. The reviews are really, they're, they're, the, they're really the coolest For part sure. about doing this whole thing. We're getting there. We're um, getting I a love, lot closer to the 100 reviews. So Yeah. I, I love that we get to talk about what we're passionate about, but I love that people are you know like it enough to respond yeah. that's such a cool thing so thank you so much to anyone who writes a review to those of you who haven't consider it please, please yes and if you don't write a review because <laughs> honestly sometimes they're not the best marketing they're just helpful for us to get feedback on if we're doing a good job or not but word of mouth is really the biggest possible thing because you know people most likely that are interested in the same kind of things that you are interested in and if you're interested in our show, then it makes a lot of sense, right? So yeah. just let them know about our show, and that will be helping us immensely anyway. Sounds but anyway, good. thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm sorry again for my very, very ragged and nasally voice. <laughs> oh, no, you, you sound <laughs> sultry and smoky. Uh, yeah, you're we'll fine. go with that, sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe you, but thanks. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, thanks, everybody. Join us again uh, next time yeah. around for some more crazy stories and creature features and whatever else we feel like Absolutely. putting out there. We'll see you guys next Sunday. Cheers. Bye.